Great. Uh, good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell, coming to you on a snowy Monday here. Uh, we were we have avoided the snow most of the year uh, so far here in British Columbia, Vancouver, but uh, we got hit over the weekend and it didn't go away. And then we got a lot more flakes today. Not fun at all. Uh, most of the country has been underneath a blanket of snow but we've been lucky we've been getting away with it but not over the last few days uh i guess it wasn't a welcome sight for you either today jason was it no it, it sucked well, at least the good thing was the good thing was where i'm like okay it can snow but it can't stay and so and it, and it didn't stick so that was that was at least my one saving grace but at the same time i had to work outside this morning that was not fun it was cold it's cold that's no good. Yeah, it has been getting pretty cold, too, and uh, that's one of the reasons why it's it stuck on the grass. It wasn't stuck in on the road, luckily. We got away with that. Uh, it's just horrible around here when it sticks on the road and gets icy, and, uh, yeah, then the, the traffic just gets insane around here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the traffic is insane, and people panic, and all of a sudden people can't drive. Like, it's almost like... I'm a rookie and I've never done this before. No, man, you've seen snow before. You just have to take your time. It's almost as if people decide, I'm going to go Indy 500 in this. It's going to be fine. I, I can't see anything bad happening. Yeah, everything bad will happen. Yeah. So slow down. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, slow down. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> slow down and avoid hills is uh, my biggest advice for sure. No. Oh yeah, definitely avoid the hills because you're not getting up it. You're not gonna make it. Yeah. Just... <laughs> did you uh did you get up to much on the weekend? Uh visited with a friend Friday night. Yeah, that was it. Okay. So yeah, I, I took it easy. I took it easy. Watched some sports here and there. But I just I basically kicked my feet up and I, I did not do too much. Well, I, I finished my house sitting uh, week and uh, everything went well. The, the animals are still living. I was a little concerned for a few days there. Uh, I thought, oh, man, imagine if they die on me. <laughs> and, uh, the, uh, yeah, everybody would be uh, really sad and really angry with me. But uh, the animals are alive. The house is standing and uh, I made it out. So uh, thumbs up for everything. And, um yeah good good weekend uh lots of lots of sports um after the nfl i start thinking oh man it's gonna get pretty bleak and pretty quiet on the weekends but baseball spring training has kicked in tons of amazing basketball this weekend ufc card we had the jake paul fight we had uh, a ton of stuff to get into so let's get into it um nba i got breaking news i don't think you've heard because it just happened about 20 minutes ago uh, LaMelo Ball broke his ankle tonight in the Hornets' fifth straight win over Detroit. He was um, trying to do a behind-the-back dribble, and suddenly he fell to the ground, snapped his ankle, and he was in a lot of pain. They had to take him off. Um, man, this is tough for, uh, you know, a, a guy that's, that's there to really start making Charlotte relevant again. Uh, you know, they've they've been having a bad year, but they've won five in a row. And and he's their cornerstone guard that 
has really been playing amazing. I looked at his stats tonight because I took him in my DraftKings, and I'm like, what the hell's wrong with his stats? And all of a sudden, I realized, wow, he's out, and he's going to be out. I, I, I would say the rest of the season he's gone. Really tough because his brother's gone too. Uh, Charlotte didn't need this after, you know, starting to play pretty well. And uh, I really feel sorry for the guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, especially with, like, losing one of their other stars, Mikel Bridges, to uh, domestic stuff uh, with his uh, with his wife, and uh, which is still in the court system. And then now you lose another star. You know, like, and, and I, feel, I feel bad for the ball family. It's almost like they got some weird sort of NBA curse going on because now LaMelo went down. Lonzo's got some, apparently, a knee injury that nobody has ever seen before. How troublesome is that? Could That's you scary. imagine being him saying, what do you mean you've never seen this injury before? He's like, no, no, nobody has. No, good wow. luck. <laughs> wow. That's shocking because – uh, you know, basketball, uh, sports in general is known for knee injuries. To not see something, uh, that's that's got to be scary for everybody involved. No, no, it's, it's it's terrifying because it's like, so out of the decades of basketball and any professional sports that we've ever played on this planet, you're the first one we've ever seen this happen to in a knee. Ever. It's crazy. <laughs> wow. That's insane. Yeah, I, 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 I'm shocked that uh, this happened to him. He's leading the Hornets in points and assists, uh, 23 and a half points per game, eight and a half assists. And he's making four three-pointers a game. That ranks fourth in the NBA, NBA behind only Steph, Clay, Dame, and he's, he's fourth in the NBA. So uh, pretty crazy. But uh, this was definitely a rebuilding year for Charlotte. So um, I guess uh, it's time to move forward and uh, fully rebuild. Hopefully he gets back healthy really soon, has a good off season and comes back hundred percent next year. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the problem. Also with Charlotte, how many years have they been rebuilding for? Like oh, a while, right? It's like, been a while. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> at, at some point in time, you have to think to yourself, we we're going to stop rebuilding and just, just start like winning. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah you're right yeah that's your team and uh yeah it hasn't been relevant for a long time yeah no i, I the last time i want to say they were re relevant was grandmama larry johnson larry johnson yeah, Lonzo yeah. yes yeah. that's when they guys. had great teams that was a fun team yeah those those teams were great really great yeah uh exactly. okay speaking of ankle injuries uh, actually, no, I, I think it's a foot injury. Uh, did you hear about LeBron James? He will miss oh. several weeks yep. with an end, the injury he sustained yesterday. He said he heard something pop when he hit the ground and, um, there wasn't a lot of talk about it until all of a sudden today, the news came out that, uh, it's quite serious and he's going to miss several weeks according to the reports. Sucks. It sucks because uh, that the numbers don't lie. The stats when LeBron is on the team, like the team is absolutely stellar, fantastic. But when that guy doesn't play, a team is bottom of the league in efficiency and points and everything. So that is horrible news for the Lakers. I feel bad for LeBron, but you know what? LeBron is an Iron Man. He'll bounce back. It will just take him some time, right? 
And obviously the Lakers are going to give him all the time he needs to recover. But uh, it, it really is a horrible break for the Lakers because they had just made all these trades. They looked like they were on the up and up. And then their star basketball player goes down with a pretty bad injury. This is uh, this is devastating. Just when everybody started thinking they were putting things together, they were getting healthy. Uh, I was shocked when I really dove deep into the Western Conference standings today and realized that there's four games separating fourth from 13th. And I was like, holy cow, that is a crazy, crazy, crazy logjam of teams yes. in there. Uh and the funny thing is, all of them are just staying about even. Uh, there's only there's only three teams in the Western Conference over the past ten games that haven't went four and six, five and five, or six and four. So no teams are separating themselves except the Nuggets, who finally now have a five and a half game lead up top, and then the two teams on the bottom. The Spurs have lost sixteen in a row. And the Rockets are one and nine in their last ten, lost nine in a row. Um, they're uh, those; those are the only teams that have done anything but be right in the middle, five hundred. Uh, really, are one game from five hundred. So I don't know what's going to happen, but this really is a huge blow to the Lakers. Uh, coming in, they were in twelfth position in the Western Conference. Really, only had to win a few games. To even probably make it in the sixth position, they had a realistic chance. But now I don't know. I I think this gives them a huge blow, and uh, I don't I don't think we're going to see them advance very far if LeBron's out for a few weeks. That's going to be a killer. Yeah, I I think that's an insurmountable task with the talent that they have right now. Um, now if AD starts playing out of his mind, maybe. But here's the bad thing. He's gonna get hurt. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Just, that that's that's what the history tells you. He's going to get hurt, and then he's gonna be out, and then the Lakers are gonna be done. So that's what's probably gonna happen. This weekend's games were some of the best <laughs> games on a weekend in this whole season. Fourteen weeks in, and it was spectacular. I was absolutely shocked about how many incredible games there were. Uh, the game yesterday that blew me away, I texted you because I was watching the game and uh, Lillard got 41 by halftime. And I was thinking, oh, man, maybe he's going to beat Kobe's 81 and, uh, you know, probably have could possibly have the second highest scoring total for an individual in a game in history. He finished last night with 71. It was the most efficient 71-point uh, game in history. Least amount of shots. The guy was just on fire. Uh, we've been talking about him lately after he won that three-point contest uh, last week at the All-Star game. Uh, but, man, another level for Dame time. And it was uh, such a blast to watch. He was incredible. He was incredible. And then if you want to talk efficiency, he was on the court for 39 minutes. 39 minutes, 71 points. <laughs> that, that is yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. That's that's yeah. that's he's he's damn near going like two minutes, two points a minute. He's like yeah. he's scoring every minute. So he was absolutely incredible. He was on and just just the, just the shot making alone. Just looking at the shot making and the fact that I think for one of the shots he just crossed over half and said, "Yeah, yeah. got it." 
Here you go. Oh, yeah. Done. Yeah. He's become he's become unguardable because he can just cross half court and he's he's hit his shooting zone. You know, yeah. you, what do you do? Like Houston is a horrible team, and you know, this is one of the reasons why he did get that, because they just don't have players to, to do anything. But you would have thought it would have been like, okay, guys, double, triple team him, let anybody else score. Like, this is ridiculous. And he just this this seems to be able to take it to another level and find open you know open spaces he can just we, we've been talking about Steph Curry how he's so so dangerous because he can space the floor so much uh Dame is taking it to this level and uh if Steph doesn't come back fully healthy Dame has become the best scorer in the league right now well definitely the best guard best, scoring guard in the league best shooter, for, yeah. sure. for sure like like right now I look at Dame and you look at his body of work that he's had uh, over the course of his career, who's going to argue that he's probably right now, if, you, if you're looking at greatest shooting guards to ever play, this is a top five. Yeah. He's got to be. Because no, he, 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 Dame time's a real thing. Dame time. That's a real thing because he puts teams away. He's one of the best closers that the NBA has ever seen. And and then his 71, that's just that just shows you just how deadly, how good – and also to how efficient he can be when he's truly, truly on. No, it's it's spectacular and incredible. Um, do you think he's wasted in Portland because they have never had a sniff at a title? Might never have a sniff at a title. Uh, it's it's a small market team that's kind of forgotten a bit. Most most people don't know the rest of his teammates. They can't really name a lot of players on the Blazers. Most most fans. Um, do you think he's wasted in Portland? Should he get out of there, or is it good that he's been loyal there? I think it's, I think it's, I think it, it's what he thinks is what matters. Actually, that that's what I think. If he wants to stay there, if he shows that city love because they've shown him love back, then he's good. You know, like, and then if he's good and he's your your you were lucky enough to have this Hall of Fame shooting guard, right? Now it's it's the organization's uh, duty to give him a team that he can work with to win a championship. It's yeah. the organization's – it's their absolute job because he just yeah. said, I'm going to make it easy for you. I'm not going to leave. Give me a team I can win with. That's all I'm asking. That's all he needs, yeah. That's, yeah. that's not a lot to ask for, you know. Oh. That's what you want. If you want me to stay, just – Please give me a team. Yeah. Give yeah. me a team that, that has a chance here. Um, Friday night. Did you hear the score in the Kings Clippers game? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, so I, I'm flipping through and then I see a score and I go, wait, what? Yeah, I did one of these. No, I can't be right. I can't be right. And quote me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong. 176, 175 in double overtime. I I looked at that and I go, that's that's a video game score. That's that's me playing against my friend. And we're not playing any defense, by the way. We're just shooting threes and just like swish, 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 swish. Like, like what what is that? I couldn't believe I could not believe that score. Highest scoring game in NBA history, by the way, right? Uh I 
I'm not sure, actually. I didn't I, I, see I, if that was. Maybe. Uh, I'll have to look it up. I, I, I thought I thought I heard that it was because how could there how could there be another game more than that? Because yeah. like because they're they're literally tw- tw- like they're close to getting two hundred points apiece. Yeah. I've never heard of that. Yeah. That's why I think every scoring record that's ever been posted in the NBA is gonna be obliterated because uh teams yeah. aren't playing defense anymore and they're just, you know, throwing it up there. Uh, we talked about the All-Star game, how bad it was. It was, I think it was 185, 184 or something in that range. And uh, this game had defense, but still, uh, you know, 176, 175. The, um, I, I was shocked. Uh, Malik Monk had 45 points, career high. De'Aaron Fox had 42. And uh, Kawhi Leonard had 44 uh, Paul George had 34. They they spread out their scoring on on LA all the way down to their 12th man, and and uh, it was uh, it was shocking. I was blown away by it. Uh, it 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 just yeah, it just completely took me aback. Um, the the Clippers ended up having an overtime game again yesterday, and and they ended up losing. Um, I was. I was watching uh, Westbrook, and he actually was playing pretty good. And for some reason, they didn't play him one minute in the fourth quarter or one minute of overtime. He just sat there the rest of the game. He only played 25 minutes. He had 17 points, five rebounds, four assists in those three quarters. And I thought, okay, well, um, he's resting a little bit. And I had him in my draft king, so I'm like, okay, he's going to come back and uh, get some points, make me some money, and uh, yeah, they just decided not not to play him again. Um, in overtime, it was definitely the Jokic show uh, that he got his 99th career triple double, 40 points, 17 rebounds, and 10 assists. Um, really, basically, it's his MVP to lose now. Uh, Three time MVP, first time since Larry Bird, and. Uh, Man, uh, he was just, he's just unbelievable. Like, you talk about Dame Lillard being unstoppable, but Jokic is is in that category. Like, the guy's just so, so, so good. Yeah, he's he thinks the game several steps ahead of everybody else because it's not like his athleticism is going to be like, oh, no, he's dominating with this. No, that's not how he plays the game. Like, like he, he just sees the game far, far ahead of everybody else and that and that's that's his that's his that's his gift that's really his gift and then plus on top of that any anybody that can pass like magic johnson is special and he's a center and he can do that and that that's just that's just that's unicorn like that that's what that is right there so i it, it is a pleasure to watch watch him play i think he's amazing he's fantastic but going back to what you said about westbrook I mentioned it before in, in the podcast last week that they're going to have to figure out a way to use him correctly. And I think that's what they did. I told you that if you put him in there at the end of the game, you don't know if he's going to win you the game. You don't know if he's going to lose you the game. You don't know. And then you know what the Clippers decided? We're, we're just going to make sure you don't lose us the game. So you don't play. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what they did. I, I'm shocked that once uh... – 
once they got behind quite heavily in, in overtime, they didn't put him out there to try to get, you know, change something up because I think uh, Denver scored the first nine or ten points of the of the overtime immediately. And, and uh, yeah, they just yeah, they just did not trust him, I guess. And, and uh, yeah, he was gone. Uh, my mistake for choosing him, uh, he was fitting in with, with his salary. And, I, you know, they used him a fair amount the game before, and I thought, okay, uh, they, they, they like what they see, but no, not not that game. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I think they, they're just going to pick and choose where they where they put him in, in spots. Like, during the middle of the game, yeah, for sure. But when it comes down to the crunch time minutes, man, I, I don't know if uh, uh, the coach there will trust him in those situations. Yeah. The other big story kind of that emerged yesterday was the Lakers were down 27 points uh, to the Dallas Mavericks in the first half. Um, any team that's been down that far this season, the record is 0 and 138. Uh, they made the comeback and, and beat the Mavs. Um, the Mavs have no defense. Uh, this Kyrie Irving. Luka Doncic is going to be good on the offensive side, but when you have no defense, uh, a 27-point lead can evaporate and you can lose even to the Lakers, and uh, it was brutal. Uh, they, they're only 1-3 since Kyrie has joined the team. Um, this was this is a, an experiment that's not working, obviously. Well, and also, too, is because of what they had to give up uh, to get Kyrie, which is Dorian Finney-Smith, which is one of their best wing defenders. So now that you, he's gone, and he covered up a lot of mistakes, he's gone now. Well, now, no, those mistakes are glaring. And then also, too, I believe uh, their other defensive stud, Maxi Kleba, is injured. Right. So there's another guy that's gone that's one of your defensive pillars. So now that those two guys are gone, you got an undersized guard and, and Luca, who's like, wow, I've no, I do a lot on offense, so I think I'm good here. And then Kyrie is like disinterested. Defense, I'm fried, but he's also undersized. You know, so that so bigger guards are going to take advantage of him in that respect. So, um, yeah, that uh, Dallas not very good defensively, and they're, it's 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 showing because you got a Lakers squad that beat them without LeBron. What does that tell you? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty pretty brutal and tough and yeah this is uh this is definitely not working and uh, I don't think it will but um yeah it's uh it's been an interesting uh few days in the NBA and we'll see you know see, we'll see how they put things together um, I'm looking forward to the week ahead and um, the other big news that happened today was Quinn Snyder was given a five year contract to take over the Hawks. Um, now it's on Trey Young to get along with his coach and figure this out. He's led to two firings over the past year and a half. And uh, Quinn Snyder with this five-year deal seems to be entrenched in there. And if uh, he can't get along with Trey, I think they'll have to move on from Trey and figure it out. But uh, do you think Quinn's going to make a difference there? I think he should. He, he's good enough. And if, if Trey, Trey's receptive to, you know, being like coached, you know, like just, just being coached, then he should be fine. Like, I, I think there was obvious, honestly, I think there was like some sort of 
old school generational issues with Nate McMillan and Trey. That's why I think there was a lot of animosity started being bred from that. But uh, Quinn Snyder is a new age coach with new age philosophies, and he's he's hip. He understands those that how new players think, and he's good with it. So I, in that respect, there should be there should be no friction between the two of them. Then now it just will come down to basketball, and hopefully, you know, uh, Trey gets on board with what he wants to bring to the team, and away they go. So. Um, that's that's what we're, that's what everybody's hoping for, and I know Quinn Snyder is a hell of a coach. He's excellent, so I I, I just expect good things from there. But you know he's just going to have to figure out his personnel and then maybe get some players and round it out. So. Um, we still got quite a quite a bit of the regular season left in the NBA, but I think there's only four teams that can win the championship now. I think it's Boston and Milwaukee in the East. And it's Denver and Phoenix in the West. I think everybody else can just get ready to pack their bags and go golfing soon. I, I don't think any other team's going to be able to compete with those four. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I agree with you, especially out east. Because, like, it's pretty clear that Milwaukee and Boston are the are, are ahead of the class. Philly's there, but I don't trust them. No. Philly's there, but I don't trust them. So there's that. And then, yes, with Durant – on 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 Phoenix now? Yeah. Yeah. How how could they not be favored? How how no. could they not be favored? They're absolutely favored. But then also too, the Nuggets are rolling. I love the construction, their roster construction for that team. I think is one of the best in the NBA. And then that's why they're so good. And then also too, it, it helps that they're being led by potential three time NBA MVP. So yeah, they're good. Does does Jokic have to get to an NBA final over the next couple of seasons to legitimize these MVPs to really prove that he is the best player in the game? He's winning MVP three years in a row. He should be considered the best player in the game, but uh, they're not advancing far enough in the playoffs to for him to be in that conversation, really, is he? Absolutely. You're absolutely right. He does need to get there now. Like it, he He's now should be feeling the pressure of, Ah, I keep getting these NBA MVPs, so I'm gonna have to do something about that. Like he's got to get, he's got to get to the Western Conference Finals. I, I think, I think if he doesn't make it to at least the Western Conference Finals, Denver's season can be seen as a failure. Um, what about the Warriors? Do we have to even consider them to be a threat this year, or is it is this a write off year again? <sighs> Steph's still injured. He's still out with an injury. Clay's been playing well, though. Um, what was it? A couple games ago, he hit 12 threes. Um, I think him and Steph are the only two players to hit at least 12 threes in two NBA games, at least in their career. That's awesome. But I I don't know, man. It, it, it They're just – they're not like last year. The team is not like last year. Their defense has been woefully – woefully insignificant like it, it, it's been so bad it, it's been it's been absolutely horrible deplorable like uh they can't play defense on the road they can win at home they got one of the best home records in the nba but they can't win on the road and then they all of a sudden their defense is non-existent too so i i think it's a lot to ask for them to all of a sudden turn it on and all of a sudden their defense is on point and everything else they can score the ball we all know that but it's their defense that has let them down time and time again. So I don't know if I expect much from them 
for this run this year. Um, I heard some really bad news for the Bucks today. Uh, the owners of the Cleveland Browns are about to purchase uh, part of the team. Uh, we all know how great the Cleveland Browns organization has run for the last, uh, I don't know, 50 years, 60 years, whatever it's been. Um, this 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 can't be good news for the people in Milwaukee. How much how much money does that family have? Are you serious? Why? Uh, they're valuating the Bucks at three and a half billion, and uh, they're planning on uh, purchasing a, a portion of it. Uh, whatever uh, the the guy wants, whatever portion he's selling. Uh, the Suns have been worth four billion. They just recently were sold, and the Denver Broncos' highest valuation of any North American team, four point six five billion. All purchased since uh, June of 2021. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I definitely don't think I'd be excited if I was a Bucks fan thinking that the Browns owners are going to purchase us because they Browns have been horribly uh, run very, very, very poorly for my whole lifetime. Yeah, they, yeah, they, their management, not very good. Not very good at all. But... But if you're a player, you're just like, wow, but they'll just throw their money at you. This is awesome. <laughs> because Deshaun Watson, literally one of the only quarterbacks, one of the few quarterbacks, not only, I should say one of the very, very few quarterbacks that has had his entire contract guarantee. Yeah. Right? Which, which is, by the way, exactly what Lamar Jackson is looking for, apparently. He's expecting something guaranteed of $200 million. Yeah. Somebody's gonna give it to him. It just might not be the Ravens, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's too risky for a quarterback these days, and uh especially a guy that's you know has had some injury troubles. And um, you know, Cleveland had to do that in a way to get somebody relevant because nobody really wants to go to the Browns. So, you know, you you gotta throw money at people to it, entice them to a team that they don't really want to go to. Yeah, exactly. And they did that, but at the other owners saying, what are you doing? Why, why would you do that? You're ruining everything for everyone now, right? Because I, I think a lot of owners were super pissed off that they did that. Super pissed off because it's it's almost like it's, it's collusion, right? It's like, okay, so this is what we're going to do, guys. And this is how we're going to control at least this. But then the Browns owners go, Hell with all that. We're just going to do our own thing. And they're just like, oh, that's, that's not good. That's not good now. Because now the Ravens owners are just like, look at what you did now. Now we can't sign our guy. And <laughs> we can't sign our guy. But yeah. somebody's going somebody's to give him that money. Somebody's going to give Lamar that money. I'm just curious to see who's going to be the one to do it. Well, speaking of NFL quarterbacks, uh, did you hear that the commanders released Carson Wentz today? Save themselves $26.2 million on their salary cap and cut him adrift. Um, he, this is his, what, fourth team in the past uh, three seasons? Um, is he done in the NFL? Is it CFL, XFL, USFL next? Uh, what uh, what happens to Carson Wentz? Do you think somebody picks him up? Somebody can always use a second or third string uh, quarterback. So I, I, I think somebody will pick him up. Because somebody can just be like, all right, we'll, we'll pay you a little bit of money and then you're there just in case. 
You're never going to see the field, by the way, but you're there just in case, right? Like, I, I can definitely see somebody doing that because he still has enough talent to at least do that, right? So, but at the same time, I don't know if you want that guy to be your starter. Right? And yeah. I don't, I think that, I think those days are gone. That might be gone. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the commanders, uh, NFL uh, owners have decided they want to hold a vote to vote out Dan Snyder as the owner of the commanders. They have uh, finally just had enough of him. They want to hold a vote and boot him out of the league, make him sell the team and give it up. He has threatened to sue them. He has threatened to uh, uncover a bunch of uh, information that he knows about the owners and about the collusion and about a bunch of stuff with the NFL, supposedly, allegedly. Uh, so there's a big fight going on between them now. Uh, hopefully the owners get their way and Dan Snyder is no longer part of the NFL because I think he's been a, a black mark on this league for a really long time. I think he's been a cancer for a really long time. Like It's like you can, you can be a bad owner, but just keep it quiet. You, you can't do that. That's why all the other owners are like, what, what's wrong with you? You an idiot? Yeah. I thought you were rich. <laughs> but, uh, yo, man, like I, I think even with his threats, the other NFL owners are like, do it. <laughs> we still want you out. Like, think about that for a second. It's like, even with Dan Snyder's threats, and I'm sure he has some dirt, all the other owners are like, do it. We don't care. Oh, yeah. We, we yeah. want we want you out that badly. That we're willing to just say, go for it. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. It's, I think it's going to be a battle. He wants to take him to court and uh, we'll see. I, I, it doesn't sound like it's going to, it's, it's going to finish well. I think it'll get ugly and uh, it will be kind of crazy to see it, it play out. Uh, the other NFL story that sort of emerged over this past week was a uh, story that um, was put in the athletic from some of the Seattle reporters uh, there was word that Russell Wilson decided to try to hold a coup and get rid of John Schneider and Pete Carroll when he was there. He wanted the owners to fire them and uh, bring in some friends of his. Uh, he wanted Sean Payton to be coach. He wanted somebody else to be the general manager. And uh, the Seahawks ownership said, Hey, uh, go back to the locker room and get ready to freaking play. Uh, we're not doing that. And uh, so that was kind of the beginning of the end of Russell Wilson in Seattle. He denies it, but uh, I I read the story and they're very credible sources. And I kind of uh, believe that uh, what they're saying is true. He led a coup. Uh, that's, that's, that's amazing. Where he's just like, you know what? I think it's time we took power. I think it's time I took power. Like, what, are you, what are you doing? Are yeah. you kidding me? Like that's just that's just so it's it's so ridiculous to me. It's so ridiculous to me. Like Pete Carroll, I thought was one of those coaches that definitely has his players back, and I yeah. thought he definitely had Russell Wilson's back. Oh yeah, sure seemed like it. Time. And yeah. then for him to just Russell just turn around and be like, "Nah, man, you're done." I'm I'm gonna I'm going to twist the dagger in your back and like, mm, get out of there, get out of there. Like, come on, are you kidding me? Now I, but at the same time, with some of the what other former players have said about Russell Wilson, maybe I'm not too surprised to hear about that either. That this is what happened. Yeah, well, I I feel that uh, Pete was 
probably protecting him because there's so many stories that are emerging since he's left there that nobody heard weren't emerging from that. It seemed like it was kumbaya there, pretty symbiotic. Uh, you know, the, the, the only thing that I ever heard out of that whole tenure that he was there that people were mad at was that they didn't run the ball <laughs> in the second Super Bowl. And yeah. Marshawn Lynch was pissed off, and, and rightly so. And, uh, you know, but you didn't hear about all this animosity. You didn't hear about these coups. You didn't hear about the troubles that other guys had with Russell Wilson until he left. And now, you know, it's just been story after story after story that Russell Wilson just puts on this friendly face but really stabs people in the back as often as he can. Yeah, and he's a total, complete diva on top of everything else. So I, I would say that Pete Carroll kept was – like amazing at keeping a lid on all of this yeah. and not yeah. letting it get out, which is absolutely amazing that he did that for a decade. Yeah. For one decade. And what okay. was his prize? What was his prize? I want you gone. <laughs> that was his yeah. Prize. yeah. Well, we saw with KD, he tried to get rid of uh, Steve Nash and Sean Marks last year uh, with the Nets and they, uh, called his bluff and said, no, that's not going to happen. Play play ball or, you know, go somewhere else. And he, he ended up playing the season until he finally got traded. So it it's happened in sports. But, um, you know, it's funny that we didn't hear this until now. This uh, this story finally emerged. And um, we'll see if Sean Payton can handle him in Denver. Uh, there was a story. Uh, I, I saw the press conference and – Sean Payton had heard that Russell Wilson had his own private quarterback coach and a guy that just hung around part of his entourage. And he goes, uh, no, that's not going to happen around here. No. If he's not an employee of the Broncos, he's not welcome in the locker room. He will not be working with Russ. And, uh, you know, he's welcome to hit the, the next plane going out. And uh, I think he's going to not take any, any of Russ's shit. And uh, we're just going to, see that them have to get along with uh Sean Payton being strict of how he wants to run the football team. Yeah, that 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 diva stuff is gone. Yeah, that's gone. Sean Payton's now there. This is this is my ship. This is the way it's gonna be run. Get on board. Yeah. Get on board. Because he's as I, I will say this Sean Payton's not going anywhere. Sean Payton, how about this? Sean Payton ain't Nathaniel Hackett. So yeah. Yeah. Like he yeah. knows how to win. He knows how to breed a culture. He knows how to breed a culture that does win. And so Russell Wilson is just going to have to learn to get on board. That's it. He will. That's it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, okay, why don't we switch to the UFC? Uh, UFC Fight Night uh, 220, uh, Vegas 70 this past weekend. Uh, after the weigh-ins, we lost two fights. Um, Haley Cowan and Aylin Perez. Uh Cowan got an illness. As soon as they uh, stepped off the scales, also Jose Johnson, Johnson and Garrett Armafield. Um, Johnson was not cleared by a doctor to compete. Uh, he was having too much problems weight cutting. And then, just as the main card was starting, we got breaking news that the main event was also off the cards with uh, Nikita Krilov and Ryan Spann supposed to uh, face off against each other in a much anticipated battle. We were all excited for uh, Krilov was sick, 
was unable to get himself healthy enough for the commission to allow the fight to to go and uh they were that main event was eliminated off the cards pushing the co-main event to the main event uh quite the blow to the card because i was really excited about this fight i wasn't excited about too many of the fights on the card but this one really sucked that uh it had to be pulled yeah because as far as i'm concerned this this was the fight that kind of made the card uh made it interesting at least anyways and now then when it got pulled like i i kind of missed it so where i'm now expecting to see the main card then i was like wait is it is it over (laughs) like oh oh I, i i guess i'm not seeing the main card so hopefully they they reschedule that fight somewhere down the line and soon because I think that's a fight that definitely needs to happen and that's a fight that definitely fans want to see. That's oh yeah, yeah, big time. Uh, let's hope that they can put it together in the in the next coming weeks. But yeah, it was uh, super frustrating. Just uh, we've had we've had too many uh, too many cards get pulled in the past little while and uh, or too many. Uh, fights from cards get pulled in the last little while, and that was that was the fight I was really excited to see, and, and uh, boom, it was over. Um, the co-main event, uh, you and I both said Andre Muniz was, um, you know, definitely the guy that we thought was going to win. He was on a nine nine fight winning streak, five and zero in the UFC, and really just looking pretty much unbeatable, especially on the ground. Uh, Brendan Allen, I thought was biting off more than he could chew, but no, not the case. Brendan Allen uh, beat Mooney's at his own game, took him to the ground and really just showed superior skills, uh, jujitsu skills and was able to get a phenomenal submission win and uh, really rose his stock way, way, way up. Yes, he really did. Like, like even in the standup, like it was close, but I thought Allen was just subtly ahead. And getting off first in the in the striking department, and then when he took it to the ground, he was I, I would categorize him as being patient, yet yeah. super technical. Took his time to make sure that you know as he was inching closer and closer to getting that rear naked choke, and then finally he got it against a very very good jujitsu specialist in Muniz, and I I was I was impressed, man, and he got it at the end of the third round, right at the end. I th- there's one thing about Brendan Allen I, I do need to say. The man is a finisher. It doesn't matter what round it is. It doesn't matter where the fight is. He's looking to finish. He could have easily took his foot off the pedal and just won the fight. But he was still hunting for the finish, even within like the last minute of that fight. Yeah, that was impressive. And I, you, you got to love a guy that uh, really wants to, to finish the fight. Um, Muniz was fighting off the rear naked choke. In many ways, every way he could, but finally that that choke sunk in, and he had to tap. Um, he gets he gets fifty k for the bonus. Uh, he ends up getting another twenty five k because it be, it's the main event, and you get that uh, for the main event. And uh, all fighters that re- got finishes on this card got fifty k bonuses. Uh, Dana was being extra generous and uh, decided to hand out. I think there was six finishes, so another 300k was handed out to the fighters, and uh, that was that was great to see. Dana Dana opened the purse strings a little bit and hand out some more money. 
Well, yeah, because I, I guess he was just like, well, you know, these, these guys are fighting at least. So that that's good. My main card fell out. So it's I, I think it's I think he's rewarding the people that are fighting on cards like this, where it's like you put in a good performance. I'm appreciative of the fact because card is not necessarily strong. So here's something here. And also, too, it gives other fighters in the UFC to know that's a little bit of incentive. That's your incentive, which is finish the fight. Make it look good. You get some money. So Alan decided to call out uh, many fighters mm-hmm. after he said yes. he wants to fight Sean Strickland, Chris Curtis, Jack Hermanson, and Drikas Duplessis. Uh, all amazing, I, I think. Uh, I hope they can put well, one of these guys together in his sights really soon. Yeah, and I think all of those guys that he, he just named were all in the top ten, I believe. Every, every single one of them. So he actually... He did well in saying when Bisping gave him the mic and said, call somebody else. Like, oh, I can call somebody out. Give me a sec. Give me my paper. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so, and they're all great call-ups. All of them are great call-ups. All of them would be great fights. All fights I would like to see. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, great on him. Amazing performance. And uh, I, yeah, I'd love to see him fight very soon. They should put that together. Uh, yeah, but they, they, they're under pressure when all of a sudden they're the main event and uh brendan allen delivered a great performance uh okay the co-main now the heavyweight battle uh we talked about augusta sakai hadn't won in a couple years was uh on a four fight losing streak all knockouts and uh fighting a guy dontel mays who comes in he's from the jackson wink camp fights against john jones every day the goat in the sport and uh, you think uh, this could be really, really bad for Augusto uh, if he loses. You said, hey, uh, his back's against the wall. You might see an amazing performance, and we sure did. He really grinded out this win, used his uh, heavy frame, was able to uh, get him up against the cage, put a lot of weight on him, and and really have a, a great performance. Uh, I was impressed by Sakai. Yeah, I was impressed too. Like his grappling along the fence is what basically dra- uh, drained Dante May's uh, tank. It drained him, like, and it was constant. He was on him, and then he threw great knees in the clinch, hurting Mays time and time again. But it was just that relentless pushing up against the fence and grinding on him, and like you could just see that Mays was getting weaker and weaker as the rounds went on, and then that's what. That's what really limited him because Dante Mays, I think, needs more space because he's a very athletic, athletic fighter, and he needed space to throw his combos, and Augusta wasn't giving him any of that. Smothering him, just absolutely smothering him, yeah. Um, he was very emotional after the, the fight, uh, losing four in a row and worrying about your job. He said he was really, really appreciative and thankful that they gave him that one last chance. Uh, his contract was a five-fight contract, so now that's up. He's really hoping to get a, a new contract. Um, this will go a long way to ensuring that they give him another shot. Uh, he he's he was just like, thank you so, so much for not giving up on me, giving me one last chance, and I hope I delivered. And, uh, yeah, I, I think the USC is probably going to announce that They've reached another agreement with him for another contract going forward. 
Yeah, I, I, I could see that. And obviously at a little bit of a diminished amount from when he first started. But yes, I can, I can see that he would have earned himself another contract with that win. Uh, okay, the uh, women's flyweight fight between Tatiana Suarez and Montana De La Rosa. Uh, Suarez, as I mentioned, she had missed uh, nearly four years of action, and uh, she came in and looked phenomenal. Really had an imp super impressive performance, and was able to get the submission victory. And um, yeah, really put the. Uh, women's uh, division on notice she said she wants to fight it at uh, 115 and uh she she thinks that um yeah she she has a chance to win the title she she wants nothing less she's coming for it and uh with this performance uh, i don't doubt that she gets an opportunity soon yeah uh, well she just showed again why she's one of the best grapplers in her division uh out grappled de la rosa even fighting above her normal weight class yeah. when she fought De La Rosa. So it it took her some time to get her down, but once she did, once she began to wear on her and then finally began taking her down, it was only a matter of time. And then in the second round where she did, she jumped into the uh, guillotine choke. So when you do that, you're very sure that you haven't walked in because if you don't, now she has top position. And so I, when she did, the ch she jumped into the guillotine choke. Myself, I thought, ah, she must have that locked in. But then I was like, Maybe she doesn't because De La Rosa fought her for quite some time until she finally had to tap. I was impressed with her, with her, with her will that she had to try to fight off that choke because De La Rosa fought that off for quite some time until time, she was yeah. forced to tap. Yeah, time. she sure did. Yeah, it seemed like she was getting out of it at times, and then she finally uh, it just seemed to sink in a little deeper, and uh, she was forced to tap. But yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, way to go fighting it off, Montana. But uh, Tatiana is is really phenomenal on the ground and with her jujitsu, and she's able to get a big win. Uh, the fight that kicked off the main card was the all Canadian battle between proper Mike Malott and Johan the White Lion Lioness. I uh was mentioning last week that I wasn't happy that it had to be two Canadians fighting each other, but um, they came out. Uh, both were sort of um, a little tentative at first, just trying to feel each other out. And then Mike Malott ended up uh, getting the huge submission victory. Um, once he got the full mount and was able to get that arm, arm and triangle choke, uh, it was all she wrote. <laughs> I, I like Mike Malott. I think that team out of uh, Southern Ontario, great team, uh, really, really can produce a lot of talented fighters. And um, uh, good to see somebody get a victory here, get that extra 50K and and definitely uh, move himself up the rankings. Yeah, um, he took the path of least resistance. Knew that he was the better grappler. Knew that Leoness was super dangerous on the feet. Wanted literally no part of that. No, took him to the ground and made it easy on himself. Made it easy on himself, especially when he got the full mount and moved to the head and arm choke. Cinch that in, and you're just like, oh. And then, yeah, you can see Lanes begin to struggle, like a lot, mightily, and it was over. Uh, and he did it in the first round. I was impressed. I was impressed. 
Yeah, it was uh, strange because these guys are former training partners, friends outside the cage. Um, Mallet uh, said that he really wants to train with him again. Hopefully they can. Um, he said, you know, unfortunately it was two Canadians. One guy had to lose, but he said, hopefully we inspired a lot of young Canadians that would be, that were watching us and uh, give give them a thought that uh, they can chase their dreams and, and get in here if they want to. Uh, he was very, very, very emotional after this fight and seemed uh, super happy. Um, he also congratulated his teammate uh, who was on the card as well. Um, her name is Jasmine Jazz Davicius, and uh, we'll, we'll get to her in a second. But um, yeah, there, it was great to see the two mates go out there together, both fight on the same card, and both get victories. Yeah, it sure was. It was it was great. It was great that he acknowledged uh, his teammates' win as well against a, a very tough opponent, Fernandez. Very tough. Yeah. Uh, he really said, please come back to Canada, UFC. You haven't been in a while. Please come back. I We need you. If you come to Toronto, I'll sell that thing out. Uh, he's talking about the, um, uh, the arena where the, the Maple Leafs play in. Uh, what's that one called again? I can't think of the name off the top of my head, but he, he wants to sell that baby out. And um, it has been... Uh, a long time. We haven't seen the UFC since the one you and I attended uh, here in Vancouver, Justin Gaethje, Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, that's going back to 2019. Uh, it's been a while now. Uh, I'm pretty shocked that uh, it's it's been that long since there has been a, a Canadian card. Um, even Jasmine's, Jasmine asked for it and uh, tried to you know, say UFC, let's go to Canada, hurry up, we miss you. And uh, can you believe that uh, that's the last time we've seen a, a card here in Canada? I didn't realize that much time had passed. I, yeah. I'm not I'm not even going to lie. I didn't realize that much time has passed. Let, let's be honest, though. Let's be honest. If it wasn't for COVID, they probably would have been here soon. Right? That's, that's what I definitely will say. If it wasn't for that, the epidemic having happened and everything, I think they would have been here sooner. But now that that has somewhat died down, it is time. It yeah. is time that they came back. And uh, not just once. That's not good enough anymore. Three times. Yeah. Three times this year. I think that so, yeah. enough. Like going into the middle of the country and the two coasts, yeah. Toronto, Vancouver. Figure out what the middle is. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you want to do with that. But just go to the two coasts and then somewhere in the middle. That's what you owe us, UFC. Dana, you hear me? Three times. Three. Thank yeah, you. that'd be nice, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was UFC Fight Night 158, um, September 14th, 2019. As I mentioned, the main event was Justin Gaethje, Cowboy Cerrone. That was a uh, knockout in the first round. Uh, Nikita Kreloff was on that uh, card. He got Ooh. beat by Glover to share a split decision. Win there. Um, the fight of the night was Tristan Connolly beating uh, Michelle Pereira. Yeah. He got the hundred thousand dollar bonus because Pereira missed weight, and uh, that was the fight of the night. Uh, also on the card, Uriah Hall beat Antonio Carlos Jr. Uh, Misha Serkinov beat Jimmy Crute, and Augusta Sakai, who fought on this card as well, uh, beat Marchin Tubora. Uh, those were the highlights of that card, and. 
Uh, yeah, you're right. If it wasn't the pandemic, uh, we would have seen it sooner, I'm sure. But um, man, I I miss I miss the UFC live, and uh, hopefully we get to see them back very soon. And I I think yeah, three or four cards in Canada would be good. Uh, Toronto's not the coast, so don't call it the coast. But it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, the major center. We can get one in Toronto. Let's go Edmonton or Calgary. And then uh, out out here in Vancouver would be great. You're right. I don't know why I said that. I, I just always I always just look at like okay, so Ontario's on one side of the world and we're on the other. So, but yes, you understand right. what I'm trying to say. That's yeah. where they need to go. That's where they need yeah. to be. Yeah, uh, and I I will the UFC if you put them on, I'll attend to all of them. I'll promote them big time. We'll we'll pack the place. We'll make sure to send us some good cards, and uh, we'll make sure. It's uh, something that you will, it'll take you a long time to forget. Well, yeah, no, it's memories, memories, just beautiful <laughs> memories. That, that's, what, that's what we're trying to develop here. Beautiful, beautiful memories for the UFC. Um, okay, the, the card that ended up being the feature prelim was not supposed to be. It got moved up as all these fights did. Uh, this is a lightweight battle between Eric Ghost Pepper Gonzalez and Trevor Peak. Uh, Peak making his UFC debut. Gonzalez 0-2 in the UFC. These two guys don't know how to fight. I don't know why they're in the UFC. I don't think they deserve to be in the UFC yet. They are raw. They are not good. This was this was kind of a joke. I was like, oh my god. These guys should not be in the UFC. I don't know what the hell is going on. Trevor Peak out of Alabama. One of the big, biggest rednecks. This graced the octagon in a long time. He was fighting like I've seen girls fight outside the bars locally. There was punches like this being thrown, and it was pretty bad. Um, it was, uh, it was like a train wreck. You had to watch it, but oh my god, uh, these guys better go to the gym, train very, very hard for their next appearance because. Uh, if they come in with this week of an effort, uh, their their careers aren't going to be long in the UFC. That's all. I, I thought I was watching a technical masterpiece. My goodness, no! <laughs> I was, I was, I was, I was amazed because I'm like, Peak is just. I'll say this: the dude throws hard. He throw he throws kicks hard, not technically well, but he throws kicks hard and his punches. He was just winging them, just winging punches, and I'm just like, ah, all right, cool, man. It's just, no real technique there, but he's he's throwing hard. All right, he's throwing hard. So I <laughs> I was just kind of like it was almost like kind of watching a, like a local local fight on the local show. Yeah, a regional it, show. It That's what it looked like to me. It looked like a regional local show. Uh, yeah. I I haven't seen a guy wind up on his punches <laughs> or his kicks so much. Like he was he was going back like this to throw punches and, and just like. Telegraphing the living hell out of it. If he fights somebody that knows how to fight, he's dead meat. There's no way he's gonna be able to connect. It was just like, oh man, like come on, like yeah, okay, you're tough. You fight on the street, great, but come on, man, like technique. You you're telegraphing your punches like crazy, dude. Like that is not the way to go against some top level competition. Yeah, I know, but it was just awesome to see because I'm like, oh, he's going to throw the punch from way back here. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was, 
I, I don't know, man. I, I was I was just I was laughing my ass off because I'm like, yeah. what am I actually watching here? This is just great. Great. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was watching with Lorraine and she she was keeping her eye on the cart a little bit here and there, but she laughed so hard during that fight and she said that was one of the funniest things she's seen in a long time. Even his post-fight interview, you could barely understand the guy. He had such a southern accent. Alabama boy, I'm so excited. First time I've ever been here. Oh, thanks for interviewing me. Oh my god, it was just unbelievable, man! Unbelievable. Ah, uh, yeah, man. I heard the banjo playing in the background, so I'm like, oh, this this guy is right from the country. This is this is excellent, awesome. And you're right. I didn't actually understand anything that he said. I just I heard that he was thankful to be there. That that's what I got out of that. That's what I got. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. His picture with Bruce Buffer, his smile was ear to ear, like oh, I'm actually standing next to Bruce Buffer. Like, check me out. <laughs> this guy, yeah. You know, act like you've been there before. You know, they used to say that when you score a touchdown, don't celebrate too much. Just act like you've been there before and you'll get there again. Not this guy. This might have been one and done because he was just <laughs> Out of his mind, I can't believe I'm here. Yeah, no, he he was super excited. He, you know what? I, I'll get I'll give him his moment. He won the fight, awesome. He gets to fight again. I, I don't know. Hopefully, he, his competition's not, not too upper echelon because it shouldn't be. So yeah, but he gets to fight again in the UFC. So good for him. Way to go. <laughs> Uh, I mentioned uh, Jasmine Jazduvicius Jazz earlier. Uh, she faced a, a tough opponent in Gabriel Fernandez, who's a jujitsu expert, uh, great on the ground. But Jasmine uh, took her down all three rounds, ground her out, had her in a crucifix at times that I thought might have the fight stopped. Uh, really used awesome techniques to keep the fight on the ground and uh, just had a really impressive win. Yeah, very impressive. Um, her grappling was definitely uh, miles, leagues ahead of Fernandez because Fernandez didn't even do anything technical to even try to get up. So that 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 was a huge hold in her game because whenever they did stand up, Fernandez was definitely getting the better of her in, in the stand-up uh, department, in the striking. She was definitely, I thought she was faster. I thought she was stronger. But once the grappling started, uh, she was pretty much neutralized. And then she didn't have the capacity to even get up after she was taken down. So um, great win by Jazz Divicius. Uh, great win by her. And uh, great way to start off the card with a Canadian win. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Uh, Jordan Levitt got a big win. Uh, utilized the tie clinch. Got some huge knees up the middle landed that one that just hit him right on the button seemed to just crumple him in steps jason herzog fights it off or, or calls it off uh levitt uh first knockout real legitimate knockout went out of his career he was super excited uh this guy has been such a submission guy has got that one big slam win but uh had never really knocked a guy out like that and seemed to be super thrilled that he had and uh, a little bit surprised, too, but big win. Yeah, huge win for Levitt. And, yeah, a great technique on, on, on the clinch and then throwing those knees right up the middle. And when he tagged them with that first one and crumpled them, then tagged them again. And then it was 
those two devastating knees, it was over. It's over yeah. after that. Yeah, it was great. Uh, really grind out uh, victory for Odie Osborne, the Jamaican sensation over Charles Johnson. Uh, this was a really close fight. I I wasn't sure. I kind of thought maybe Johnson was going to take this. It ended up being a split decision. Uh, this was razor thin, very hard to judge, uh, very evenly matched. Just such a, a smart matchup for the matchmakers. And uh, Osborne gets his hand raised in this one. Yeah, uh, it was super close. Uh, they, they, you know what? Like uh, quality wise, these guys were pretty much on par with each other. I just thought that Ode Osborne was a busier fighter in the first round than Johnson was. Johnson was still trying to get into his groove and Osborne was the busier fighter. And I thought that's what was the difference on the judges scorecards was that first round that Osborne managed to take. So um, great that the Jamaican won uh, tough fought victory. Uh, both men were like emptying the tank in that third round. But I thought even then in that last minute and a half or whatever, old Osborne was throwing more and trying harder, even though Johnson was right there with him. I thought that, he had more strikes that was being thrown at the end of that. I'm not sure who takes the win, but both of these guys were competing for the worst haircut in the history of man. <laughs> who would you give the victory to? I, I think I'm going to give it to Johnson. I, I, yeah. I think Johnson wins it for the worst, worst haircut. Yeah, that, that, was, great. that was pretty pathetic. Yeah. they. I, I definitely don't think I'm ever going to go to the barber and ask for one of those lids because they were terrible. Oh, man. I don't know who convinced them to cut their hair that way. It's pretty bad. No, I, I, you know what? You know me. I go with good old, like, cut tight to the head. Tight. Tight. Yeah. Good idea. Better than that, that's for sure. Uh, okay, let's finish this off. Um, what do you think of Joe Selecki's submission win over Carl Deaton? Uh, Deaton was a late replacement. Uh, it was supposed to be Benoit St. Denis in there. Uh, Selecki said he was really happy that there was a pullout. He was getting bored training for St. Denis for the last five months. Uh, he was going to face a uh, southpaw, suddenly had an orthodox guy making his UFC debut. Uh, Selecki was definitely the best, better fighter in this in this one. Uh, good on uh, Carl to come in and uh, do the late replacement, but... Um, there was levels, and Selecki was uh, miles above, I thought. Yeah, yeah, and especially when it came to the grappling department. Like, he just – he basically just wore on on Deaton as the fight went on, and then eventually in the second round, got him down to the ground, worked around to his back, got the rear naked choke. Um, it was it sucked that Deaton did, wasn't able to get in a full fight camp, obviously, but uh, definitely Selecki was the better fighter, and I think he was he was always been the better fighter. Yeah. Got the win. I thought I thought Selecki might have some troubles um as the fight wore on because he was his backpack that whole first round with the yeah. uh you know triangle uh body triangle with his legs and uh you know I thought he get might get worn out but uh, his cardio was great and uh, was able to get that takedown in the second round also uh, get the back and uh continue to try to sink in the rear naked choke until he finally did. Uh Deaton didn't even really get a chance to tap and he went out uh he he went to sleep that's right that's right because i think deaton at one point in time thought about it and then said no i'm going out on my shield <laughs> and then went to bed 
He went to bed. He got put to bed. <laughs> he was done. He was done. Yeah. Um, okay, we are we are in the week of John Jones finally returning to the octagon after being away for three years. Uh, we have not seen him grace the octagon and since 2019. Uh, he is now a heavyweight. I understand he's uh, weighing in about 250 pounds for this one, fighting the Frenchman Cyril Gane for the heavyweight belt now that Francis Ngannou has left the UFC. Um, do you think John Jones will still be as dominant as he has been in his career? This is a, this is a tough one. I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. He's been away for so long that you'd have to think there's got to be some ring rust there. Has to be. Like, I'm sorry. You've been away for three years. You haven't fought in three years. And you're fighting an exceptional stand-up fighter. Cyril Gagne is an exceptional stand-up fighter. So I would imagine that John Jones might actually have to threaten him. He, he's going to have to do – he's going to have to mix in the threat of takedowns and his striking. He's going to have to blend in both, and he's going to have to blend them both in beautifully because Cyril Gaon is hard to take down, hard to find, and also, too, he's he's tough to keep down. He's already proven that. So I, I'm, I'm excited that he's back, but I'm also very curious to see what I'm going to see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cyril Gaon is such a big guy. Very, very, very tough to submit. Very hard to take down. And it's going to be uh, very difficult for Jones. Yeah, we'll see. Um, this has been a long time coming. Can't wait to, to finally see it and see what he's like at heavyweight. Um, the co-main event has Valentina the Bullet Shevchenko fighting the next up. Alexa Grasso who's number five ranked coming in here. Um, the last time we seen Valentina, she had a really tough time against Talia Santos. She only got a split decision in USC 275. That was um, June the 12th, 2022. Uh, that was probably the toughest she's ever had outside of Amanda Nunes. Uh, maybe we, maybe Alexa Grasso watches that fight and uh, thinks that maybe there's some chinks in the armor and has an opportunity to take the belt. Um, I know Valentina is one of your favorite fighters, always has been. Uh, what do you think we're going to see? I think uh, I think first off, Alexa Grasso has probably dissected that fight that Talia Santos had against Valentina Shevchenko and, and saying, these are certain things I'll have to mimic in this fight. I'm going to, I have to do this if I'm even going to give myself a shot at beating this pretty much unbeatable woman. Um, at the same time, I think Valentina went back to the lab herself and said, I guess these are things I'm just going to have to shore up and make sure that you can't take advantage of those weaknesses anymore. I, I, I'm, so, I'm looking at this fight. Okay, at first when Shevchenko fought Talia Santos, I didn't think Santos had a chance, and then she did. And she proved me very, very, very wrong. I don't believe Grasso's the same kind of fighter as Santos, though. I, I that I'm sorry. I, I just I do not believe I don't see it. So I think again, I'm going with my fighter. I'm going with Valentina again. I'm going I, I think she's gonna win. I think it's gonna be a dominant win. I think it may take her some time to crack the code, but she's gonna crack the code. 
I, I tend to agree with you. I think Shevchenko uh, is, you know, at another level. I think Santos had the skills necessary, but I don't think Grasco Grasso presents the same type of uh, weapons and, uh, you know, skill level. So I think you're right. Um, I'm really looking forward to the Mateus Gamrot fight with Jalen Turner. Uh, Jalen has such uh, height and reach advantages. Uh, if he can use his legs, uh, a lot of kicks to keep Gamrot off, I think he wins this. But uh, Gamrot's got to pressure, get, get in his face, uh, cut off that distance and, and go. But uh, I think this is a hell of a battle. Uh, styles make fights, and I think this is probably going to be fight of the night on, on my card. Okay, you think that's going to be fight of the night? I, 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 I'm going to disagree. I'm going to disagree. I think it's the fight above that one that might be fight of the night, which is Rachmanov against uh, Jeff Neal. I, I think talk about styles may fight. Those, those are two very different styles, and I think they're just going to be coming at each other. I think it's going to be. I think that fight is going to turn out to be an absolute war because they're technically both very sound and savvy everywhere. So I, I'm I'm looking I'm I'm looking I'm definitely looking forward to that fight. Um, the Bone Nickel Jamie Pickett fight uh, kicks off the main card. Bone Nickel was quite the darling from the Dana White Contender Series. Uh, comes in undefeated, uh, really won over the crowd there. Had to win a couple times on the Contender Series to get himself a shot, and finally does. Uh, we get to see the return of Cody Garbrandt fighting Trevin Jones. That'll be fun. Uh, Drikas Duplessis, Arnold Allen uh, called him out after his fight. Uh, he's fighting Derek Brunson. Uh, this one should be a hell of a battle. Uh, I love that at middleweight. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a great fight. It's a great fight. And I swear, didn't we just see Drikas? Didn't we just see him? Didn't he just fight like like two months ago or a month ago? Recent, yeah, yeah, he yeah. Hey, I, I I love the guys that stay busy, especially yeah. if you can afford to do so, and you're not injured or or suffered any sort of like really bad injuries or head head stuff. I I think it's best for you guys for a fighter if they're on a roll, keep rolling, keep, keep rolling. Going, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, keep going. Uh, the fight that kicks off the prelims uh, has Julian the Cuban Missile Crisis Marquez against Mark Andre Powerbar Barrio, the Canadian. Uh, the this fight should be amazing too. Oh yeah, I I I I look forward to that because we, I can't remember the last time I saw Julian Marquez fight. I I I want to say I think it's been a while, but uh, that is stylistically a great matchup, great fight, great yeah. fight. Yeah, yeah. There's quite a few uh, early prelims. Uh, Jessica Penne's fighting on that. Uh, lots of fights on this card. UFC two eighty five. Uh, it's from Vegas, but it's from the uh, large arena there. So uh, normal times. And, uh, yeah, we're at 2 o'clock early prelims, uh, 4 o'clock uh, – no, sorry, 5 o'clock prelim card and 7 o'clock main card. Um, yeah, can't wait. Uh, UFC 285. Finally get to see Johnny Bones Jones, uh, many people's consensus, greatest of all time MMA fighter. And if if he if he wins this fight, if he wins this fight. He, he's it's good. He's gonna it's gonna be hard to not have him as the greatest of all time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, okay, there was a huge fight yesterday. A big fight card from Saudi Arabia. Uh, 
Jake Paul finally got to fight a boxer. Uh, I'll put quotation marks around it. Uh, these two guys, uh, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. I don't think anybody be should, should be surprised. Very inexperienced fighters that look very inexperienced. Uh, this was not a pretty fight. They both, uh, they both don't, they, they both didn't look very good. Uh, Tommy Fury definitely uh, was a more active fighter. And uh, when you're fighting short fights like an eight rounder, when you're more active and there's close rounds, you're going to get the nod. He got the nod. I was, I was trying to score it myself and I had it close. Uh, the referee uh, made some very weird calls and uh, took some points away. Uh, Jake Paul knocked down Tommy Fury in the eighth round, so it would have been a 10-8 round. Uh, but he took some points away, one point for holding, one point for hitting the back of the head. Uh, no warnings, very weird. Both fighters were doing the exact same thing. He was taking one point from one fighter, one point for, from the other fighter later on. Uh, it was a weird Weird main event. Uh, didn't didn't love it. Really didn't love it. But Jake Paul lost finally. Um, do you think this changes anything from his career trajectory and uh, the things that he's been doing in the boxing world? No. Sorry about that. No, I don't think it changes anything because it's like, what, okay, what what are we really talking about in his boxing world, like? You were fighting celebrities and washed up has-beens and an old men. And then finally you fought a guy that has some boxing experience and then he beat you. So, yep, pretty cool. So, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I just I, Okay, so I saw the highlights, right? I was out, saw the highlights. The thing I'll say is that at least Tommy Fury looked great when he was throwing his combinations. And he had some good slips, you know, like as, as Paul was coming in. But... You know, I'm, I'm looking at Jake Paul and I'm going, well, you, you look still kind of like an amateur boxer. That looks good when you're fighting people that don't know how to box. All right? That, that's that's what that's what I see. That's what I'm looking at. And if you're, if you're trying to tell me that at, at some point in time, Jake Paul is going to be thrown down with the best of the best in the boxing. No, man. No, man. That is never going to happen. He is not. It's never going to happen. What he has developed and what he's done very well at is marketing himself in a way where he does celebrity boxing matches that where they throw real punches and they hurt each other. So that that's cool. That's cool. And that I think that will continue to be a thing. And he's going to be able to continue to generate a lot of money for himself and a lot of money for former fighters, uh, especially like possible mixed martial arts guys or old, old boxers or just old, old people whatsoever. No, and, and there's another thing I will say, but he ain't stupid. He's never going to fight somebody like Mike Tyson, who could be 88, and he's never going to do that because that's dumb. <laughs> All right? But but him taking on Tommy Fury, I, you know what? It's a gamble. If I lose, I he probably even thought to himself, if I lose, I'm going to lose close, which he did. He almost won the fight. So and how how is it that – I, I do want to ask you a question. How is it that Tommy Fury looks like he came out of a GQ magazine and then – there's Tyson Fury. So what what happened there? Like what happened? Like, I don't get that. No, I don't understand. Dif different moms. They got different moms. So uh, yeah, maybe that's what happened. Uh, their dad looks. Their dad looks like Tyson. Yes. Uh, yeah, he looks exactly like Tyson, and is a former 
boxer. Um, that whole family box, but yeah, uh, Tommy uh, seemed to get the the looks, and uh, he he's famous for being a YouTuber. He was on this show, Love Island, and uh, you know, I think he's probably better suited for that type of way of getting famous and rich because uh, he didn't look that good. I, I I did see him throw a few combinations that landed. He was good at, uh, you know, sticking and moving a bit. But, um, yeah, this was a fight of two amateur-looking guys for sure. Um, boxing is not something that you can fake. It really isn't. You can't fake it. It's, it's just something that is such a tough discipline so hard to look good at if you're not good and uh these guys really didn't look very good no no they, they didn't they didn't they looked exactly what i expected them to look like which is not good so like you know like if you want to spend your money on that kind of stuff cool go ahead that's it's, it's awesome but that that's not boxing to me or that's not boxing to true boxing fans true boxing aficionados that's not boxing like like real boxing match uh coming up probably i believe uh no March uh April uh Gervonta Davis versus Ryan Garcia I think it's yeah. in April 22nd so you want to see some real boxing watch that fight there you go that's something that's gonna that's gonna spark your pleasure for sure but like I said there, there's there's a place for everything and, and Jake Paul's managed to create this niche of boxing that is you know people like and people want to see it and stuff like that and he fought a very pretty boy very nice looking man, and he got beat. He got beat. Uh, did he make a big mistake uh, fighting Fury? Should he have just stuck to celebrities and washed up MMA guys and did that for a little while longer? Uh, was this a big mistake? Is this going to diminish his earning capacity in his career, boxing? I don't think so. I, I, I honestly don't. I don't think it's going to affect his earning capacity whatsoever. Because it's just like, you know, this this is what you should expect from him. This this is it. And then the fact that he even did fight somebody with some sort of boxing like experience and history, well, good for him. Like he, he challenged himself. That's great. Because, you know, for myself, I'm thinking to myself, well, how long can he can he go on like this for? Like how how long before people are just like, all right, well, I'm just I'm jumping off because he hasn't actually fought anybody. And so now that he has. Maybe he just goes back to doing the stuff from before. Still making like a bunch of money and then people tune in anyway. So eh, yeah, there was there was two R words that I thought of after uh, retire or rematch. Do you think we see either one of those? I don't think we're going to see him retire. I, I think that's off, that's that's off the board. Rematch, possibly. But do you want to see that again? I don't. Do, do you want to see that again? I know I'm good. Like I'm, I'm good. Let's, let's, let's see something else. Let's see something new. So I don't. Think he had a rematch clause. If he lost, he had a rematch clause. He he said it in the in the ring after. So did Fury. Uh, I I think there's a good chance they do. Um, there's a lot of talk about him fighting KSI. Uh, there's a lot of talk about him fighting Nick Nate Diaz. Um, others out there. We'll we'll see what comes together. Um, the fight that was the co-main event had Badu Jack fighting Ilonga Makubu, and uh, that was a hell of a great fight. That was actually a really legit fight for a title. Uh, Badu got his third uh, division championship, 
and uh, got the knockout in the 12th round. Uh, that was a legitimate, great boxing fight, and I was very happy that I watched it. Uh, okay, now I'm sad that I didn't watch that. I'm sad that I missed that because I like my dude, Jack. That guy's a great boxer, great boxer. And it's fantastic to hear that he, he won yet another title in a different division, different weight division. So, yeah. Same weight division, yeah. That, that that that's incredible. That's awesome. And then the fact that he did it in the twelfth round, that's exciting. Yeah. I mean, it was a it was a closely, hotly contested fight. So yes, that's the kind of boxing that I'm talking about. That's the body yeah. of boxing worth my time. Yeah, no, I, I there was legitimate fights on the card, and you know, I, I just um you know wish wish that maybe uh those guys were a bit more experienced maybe could have fought maybe a year or two from now where you know they actually seem like legitimate boxers uh do you know how much these guys made for this fight though uh, do you want me to guess it's it, first off it's going to be way too much for what we just saw what we experienced how, how about this i'll say five million a piece both Good, good guess for Fury. He got four, and and Paul got thirty million dollars for that. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Right on. <laughs> Come on. Like, what? What are we paying you for? Like, are yeah. you sick? Thirty million. Thirty okay, million. Yeah. He's doing something right. He's smart. He's a smart man for putting on something that you just go, wow, see that in my regional circuit. Awesome. Cool stuff. <laughs> well, this is in Saudi Arabia, and Saudi Arabia has been very famous for recently doing what they call sport washing. They're trying to throw a ton of money at all sports, and they're trying to really uh, say how great of a country they are, how great of a people they are. Come to Saudi Arabia. We're the best. We're the greatest. Look at what we do. And they're just throwing ridiculous amounts of money at golfers, at tennis players, at at uh, uh, F1 car racing, which is starting this week. Uh, all of this money is just coming out of Saudi Arabia. They, I think, they paid a lot of people to be there. There was Mike Tyson was there, um, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo was there, Kevin Hart was there. They had a whole bunch of celebrities in the crowd. I think they paid them just to come. And uh, you know, say, hey, Saudi Arabia is great. Come, come, come. Everybody that attended the event said it was one of the favorite events they've ever been to in their life. Well, of course, because they got pampered. Because you imagine if you're Kevin Hart, it's like, who is this? Some Saudi prince. I, uh, okay, what do you want me to do? How much money you want to give me? Uh, wait, are you gonna give me a private? Oh, yeah, sure, I'll be there. What? What day? Done. Yeah, like. So yes, for celebrities, it's it's pretty easy to do because it's just like they 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 paid me to be there. They paid for everything. They put me up in an eighteen star hotel. All right, cool. And then they took me out to the greatest parties ever. Awesome. Yeah, it, it, it's a super simple thing to do, and especially if they're if that's 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 clearly what they're trying to do. Even though like you know Saudi Arabia as a country has some like distinct problems, but we know this: they got money. Man, do they got money? They got money to burn. They got enough money that they can just throw away thirty million on Jake Paul. And be like, yeah, there, you go. there you go. I think we're gonna see a huge amount of title, world title fights out of there. I think uh, it's going to be the place to go 
And uh, I think Francis Ngannou is probably going to fight out of there. Uh, Deontay Wilder was there too. I should have mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. So I could see Wilder uh, Ngannou from Saudi Arabia, both of them making $50 million. Yeah, that's right. Because I I know that Deontay was there and he was actually even dressed up in the Arab garb because um, I saw it off Tyson Fury's uh, Instagram where he, he yelled out bomb squad to, to Deontay. And then Deontay's like, oh, hey. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? That's <laughs> awesome. That's hilarious. Wow. Yeah. yeah so that, that's was, really witty and very smart of Fury to put that out there. That's hilarious. No, it, it was awesome. It was awesome. And obviously Tyson's going to be there because, of, you know, he's supporting his younger brother. But, um, yeah, it, it's smart on the Saudis' part to do this kind of stuff. They'll be like, all right, well, if you want to make, you know, you want to have your sport put in the spotlight, and we can do that because, you know, like we have more money than gods. Gods. Not one god. Gods. A whole bunch of gods. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We can do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I think we're going to see a ton of fights from there. And, um, yeah, it's we're going to see this. Uh, I think Jake Paul's been good for boxing. I think he's been good for combat fighters around the world. A lot of these guys are finally – being able to be paid what they should be paid, getting outrageous amounts of money, uh, getting more exposure for boxing, where boxing in North America was losing a lot of luster to the UFC and, and mixed martial arts. And um, I think Jake Paul's been good for boxing. I think, yeah, I, I think he's been good for combat sports, especially shining that that also not not uh not 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 really light light on the UFC and about their fighter pay. Uh, and it's not appreciated light where Dana's like, I wish that guy would shut up. No, he's not gonna shut up because it's like he, these guys are criminally underpaid. It's like, as he said before, how can I pay former champs more money than they've ever made? And it's a celebrity boxing match. How am I doing that? Think about that though. Just literally for a second. How is he able to generate something where this guy is past his prime, uh, so, somewhat washed up, but he makes more money with him in eight rounds than he's ever made in any fight in his UFC career. I think that, that's that's sad. That, that's sad. And and guess what? Ngannou didn't want to have to ha- have happen to him in his career, which is that where he just goes, you know what? I'm going to take this opportunity to step away from you guys and make my money fighting Deontay Wilder. Hopefully he fights two of those guys. I that's what I that's my hope for him. Hopefully he's able to win or lose, fight Deontay Wilder, and maybe fight Tyson Fury or another or Anthony Joshua or somebody else like that, that nature. And he's able to do that and make himself a ton of money off of the two fights. And those yep. two fights will be super significant because that will solidify everything. That will solidify his his future and his family's future, which is what everybody wants at the end of the day. Yeah, I hope so too. I hope you're right. Yeah, let's get him, get him paid, and uh, then he can come back to the UFC and just fight for fun. Doesn't have to fight for money anymore. And, and exactly. uh, yeah, yeah, just fights for a legacy. So yeah, get a hundred million dollars out of two fights, and then come back and and become the heavyweight champion again, and have a really long legacy. Yeah, yeah, that and that's that's the goal. That's the dream. And then, <laughs> but unfortunately, I guess Uncle Dana says only one man is allowed to do that. One man. And your name is not Conor McGregor, so no. <laughs> and like, so like, like, is that is that is, is that always going to be his thing? Is that what he's going to say to everybody else? 
that has that opportunity in front of them. Because as far as I'm concerned, if you have that opportunity and you can make that a reality, you'd be an idiot to give that up. You'd be a complete moron to give that up. Um, Dana White's contender series has been uh, just a absolute godsend for the sport. Um, we're just seeing so many guys, so many guys on this this past weekend's card came from the Dana White contender series, and it's been great supplying them with a healthy new set of of talent. Uh, the Ultimate Fighter is back. Um, Conor McGregor and uh, McDonald. Um, what, what? Why am I saying McDonald? Chandler. Um, Pardon me? Chandler. Chandler, Chandler, Chandler. And uh, they, they just had their uh, first three fights of the season this past weekend. And uh, Dana White seems super excited. I think there's going to be probably more eyeballs on this with Conor McGregor being there. Chandler uh, being one of those most exciting fighters we've seen in years. And, um, yeah, I think this ultimate fighter could be uh, bringing back uh, some of the cachet that uh, it has over the years. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty neat to hear that they're in full swing with it already. Yeah. Uh, they both have big personalities. But here's the, here's the one thing that is going to be the best thing about their upcoming fight. It's going to be a fight. It's going to be a hell of a fight. Because that dude throws caution to the wind and he makes it freaking exciting. Win or lose. He always gives himself a chance to win. When, when I say that, I'm talking about Chandler. He gives himself a chance to win, and and he's going to come close, or he's going to lose the fight, or he may get even knocked out. But either way, that's going to be one heck of a fight. There's, he hasn't had one fight that's disappointed yet. He hasn't had one. I don't think he knows how to do that. So, no. yeah, it, it, I'm looking forward to the fight. Very good matchmaking, and uh, I'm looking forward to this. I'm lo looking forward to the trash talking between them, and I'm looking forward to the lead-up. It's going to be fun to watch, and hopefully they start uh, airing it really soon. Um, yeah, so great week ahead, obviously, with USC 285. Amazing basketball going down the stretch. Uh, we've got F1 starting, so your cousin must be uh, starting to do some podcasts. They're, uh, they're starting in Bahrain. Uh, that's going to be pretty awesome, and um, yeah, I'm I'm super looking forward to a great week ahead. Hopefully, the snow stops and uh, we can get to some spring weather soon. Yes, uh, yeah, because I'm I'm done. I'm done with like the the cold weather. I, I'm super done with that, and I am looking forward to definitely the pay per view this uh, weekend. Uh, and I'm looking forward to just seeing John Jones back in the octagon. We've missed him. He's been away for far too long. And hopefully now he stays for a prolonged period of time. But that's what I'd love to see. Uh, last week I talked about how great the XFL was in their first uh, week. And uh, they didn't air one game. Not one game was shown uh, on uh, t television this weekend. So uh, never got a chance to see any. Heard, um, heard one of the games. Uh, St. Louis had a really big comeback that first week. I guess they had a really big come back again this second week, but um, how can they already not be on TV in their second week? Like, what the hell is going on? Uh, that's that's a really big miss, in my opinion. Nah, their network deal is just super awesome, I guess. Like, it's just that good. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say, because if, if 
if you're trying to ask me if I was expecting more than that, I, I kind of wasn't. So I'm kind of not surprised. You know, like it, it's it's disappointing. It's too bad because, as you were saying, like the, the games were actually exciting and they were they were cool to watch. Um, so hopefully for the third week, that they may be on TV. Maybe, fingers crossed. Uh, <laughs> uh, I heard that uh, Paxton Lynch, former player for the Denver Broncos, got benched in his second week of action. Got benched last week. Got benched this week. Uh, he was, I think, one in three or one in four in his NFL career. Flamed out really quick with Denver. Boom! They kicked him out. Uh, he was third stringer in the CFL this past season, and uh, given him chance in XFL, not going well already. Uh, looks like he was one of the biggest busts in football history. I don't. Yeah, because if you flame out in the XFL, that's that's not a good luck because they're not good. You're not good. <laughs> really not good. Yeah, really, tough. Really, really, really tough. Yeah, that, that's something you do not want to see on your resume. No, no, that that's something you can't have on your resume because <laughs> if somebody sees that, it goes, "Oh, flamed out the XFL." That's you can't work for us. I'm sorry, you can't work for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that could be uh, that could be killer for any job in the whole world. You got to try to just erase everybody's memories, keep it off the resume. Well, yeah, and then also too, like even if you're playing picking for flag football, it's like I'm not. That guy's going to be picked last. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's getting trouble with some uh, uh, poor Paxton Lynch. Not not going well. No, not going well at all. At all. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, this was fun as always. Great, great podcast. I really appreciate it. Have a great week ahead. Keep in touch. And uh, obviously, we'll be texting a bit on the weekend, uh, seeing this card come together. Man, I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. And we shall keep in touch over the course of this week. Okay, Have buddy. a good one. Cheers. You too. Bye for now. Okay. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. As always, appreciate your support. And uh, want to thank our partners and sponsors. As always, um, Anchor.fm, the easiest place to make a podcast. Phenomenal at posting on multiple podcast platforms for us. If you want to do this, don't go anywhere else. Anchor.fm. Uh, Verbero, the hockey equipment and apparel company, industry leader in technology, performance, and value. And of course, the V350 stick is a must-have for any hockey player in your midst. Uh, Pampas and Possibilities, uh, designers of really great West Coast things for your home. Get them to come in and spruce up your place and make it look fantastic. And obviously, uh, last but not least, Forever Living, the Aloe Vera Company for health and beauty products. Uh, you can purchase products on our website, completesportsmedia.com at discounted rate. So thank you for your support and I appreciate you sticking in. Uh, look forward to talking to you very soon. Hope you're not having to deal with much snow out there in your midst and uh, springs very soon upon us. So love you guys lots. Take care of yourself. We'll talk soon. Bye for now.